we begin first with the reading of this passage from the Gospel of Matthew, starting at verse 17 in chapter 5. Do you think that I have come to abolish the law, or, or do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets? I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will be by any means, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, it is answerable, to the, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery and with her at his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And maybe on that one you're going, thanks be to God? Thanks for what? Hey, I get it. I get it. It's been almost 30 years ago, but I was married and divorced once. And I struggled with that passage. So let's see what we find out together, because I want you to be at peace. I'm thinking this is a great morning for having all these extra children in the congregation as Pastor Dan stands up there and says, cut your eye out, cut your hand off. And if you're angry with somebody, you're going to hell. Well, this is going to be a good one, huh? How many of you looked at the bulletin to say today and it, right at the top of the bulletin it says anger and lust? I don't know why, but I just think that's kind of funny. I, I don't know if you're with me on that, but here's, here's the thing. And like I said, this is going to be a somewhat abridged version of what I had planned. And I would just say to you, first of all, 
do you have you ever heard that phrase that start that sort of says something along the lines of it's time for you to give your pound of flesh have you ever heard that phrase it comes from shakespeare it goes to uh to the uh merchant of venice and it's it's a phrase that basically was made popular in that particular uh work but it's something that usually goes along with indebtedness it's something that people say when it's pretty obvious that they're not going to get paid back a debt that's owed them and they'll say something along the lines of well i'm going to go demand my pound of flesh and it really actually comes from scripture and in one of the scriptures that you just heard today because it's referring to that that fact that you know when you're on your way to court because you can't get what you deserve or think you need from the person who owes you you're going to take them to court and you're going to collect your pound of flesh and uh what Jesus is saying in this now more detailed exposition of the law is that this whole thing, this whole law of God that has been interpreted one way by the religious authorities and another way by Jesus comes down to how you feel about the flesh. It really comes down to that. I was thinking on the way to church this morning that one of the things that, uh, that I realized many years ago was that you could probably sum up the Bible's moral code simply by saying that it's a book that tells you what it means to be human as opposed to an animal. And when my children were really young and I lived in a parsonage that backed up to the playground of a public school, I'd go home for lunch and I'd see my children and all the other children out there in the playground uh, playing together and I realized how much they act like little animals. Have you ever noticed that? The girls all sort of gather on places to sit like birds on a wire and the boys sort of move around the playground in little packs like wolves or wild dogs, right? I mean, it's really fascinating. When you look at some of the horrible evil that you've seen in the world lately, really, when you get down to it, it's because people are acting like animals. It's because people are treating other people like animals. And the law of God really is a law where God says, I don't see you that way. I made everything that is in all of creation, and then I made you. And I breathed in you my very essence. So you're different. Up to a point, you're a lot like the animals, but then I breathed my essence into you, and I made you different. And so the whole book of God that's here in the Bible and explained in such beautiful, explicit ways by Jesus is lessons on how to be human instead of like an animal. Animals are all about flesh, aren't they? They're either consuming it, using it, feeding it. It's just a matter of taking care of the flesh. And it's a case of might makes right in the animal kingdom. The big guy gets to be in charge. The big guy gets all the girls. The big guy kills his adversaries, and so on. So what does the law of God say in so many words? 
Stop acting like animals and start acting like human beings who are infused with the very essence of God, the Father, and heaven. So when Jesus says to us that if you get angry with somebody, you may as well have murdered them, you've heard something fundamentally true. Something that says the heart of the law is how we view ourselves and other people. The heart of the law is found in the way that we see people through the eyes of God. And so we may not always get along with everybody we know, and we may have legitimate grievances against other people, and we may even find that other people have owed us something. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we want to demand our pound of flesh? Or do we want to give the same grace to them that God has given to us? And this is what Jesus is getting at in this whole statement he makes about why he's not doing away with the law. In fact, he says, not the slightest element of the law. And he's literally talking about uh, type, uh, printing type, you know, like, like the way they write their letters. And he says, not the least jot or tittle is what he says. And, and in Hebrew writing, there are these little bitty things that sometimes look like that period above an eye in English or the comma behind a word. These little bitty things, and they're called jots and tittles. And he says, not even those will be neglected in the kingdom of God. And so he's telling the religious leaders, you guys are experts in the law up to a point, but you've missed the heart of the law. And everything he says to them upsets them because he's saying, in effect, I have the real authority over this rule this law, and I see your contempt for me. And what he means in this case is not their contempt for Jesus, the human uh, who has entered into their midst and become a competing force for the influence of the people. He's saying your contempt is for God, the author of the law. I've quoted to you from Ellen Gould White a few times in the last few weeks. I'm going to do it again. She says it was Christ who, amid thunder and flame, had proclaimed the law upon Mount Sinai. The glory of God, like devouring fire, rested upon its summit, and the mountain quaked at the presence of the Lord, the hosts of Israel lying prostrate upon the earth, having listened in awe to the sacred precepts of the law. What a contrast, then, to the scene upon the Mount of the Beatitudes, under the summer sky, with no sound to break the stillness but the song of birds. Jesus unfolded the principles of his kingdom. Yet he who spoke to the people that day in accents of love was opening to them the principles of the law proclaimed on Sinai. Isn't that amazing? What a beautiful way of expressing it. Jesus is God, the eternal always was, always will be the I am. And the same person who gave the law on Mount Sinai in thunder and lightning gives the same law in peace and gentle persuasion on the Mount of the Beatitudes. But the message remains the same. 
If you're like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those religious authorities who use the religion to lord it over other people, then you've missed the heart of the law. And this is why I use that phrase, collecting the pound of flesh. Because the religious leaders had made it perfectly okay for one of the religious elite in the community, you know, the ones who contribute a lot of money and who say all the right things to the preacher, you know, they were permitted to issue a divorce decree to their wife if they wanted to, just because they were tired of her. And in that society, what it meant was she would be cast onto the street. She would be used goods and therefore not worth much more than a prostitute or a beggar. All because a practicing religious person who had the favor of the religious elite issued her a letter of divorce. And this is why Jesus says, I've got news for you guys. If you divorce your spouse, you may as well commit adultery because it's still the same. Because the spirit of the thing is still the same. And this is what he means when he says that if you've divorced your wife, you've made yourself an adulterer and she, you've made her an adulteress. It, it's simply Jesus' way of saying, don't think that your religion protects you from the heart of the law because it doesn't. And in the same way, Jesus describes anger and says, don't think that you are somehow crafty in the way that you manipulate the law in order to get even with somebody that you're holding a grudge against. And therefore, you ruin them financially or you ruin them by damaging their reputation so that their career is ruined or something like that. And you ruin their reputation. You ruin them financially. You create problems for them that they can't recover from. Then you may as well have killed them. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying it's all the same under the law of God. In the eyes of God, it's the way we treat each other that matters. Because when we treat each other the way God views us, if we treat each other as being people of sacred worth, worth God giving the most that God can give, in order that we would be saved and restored to a right relationship with God for all eternity. He sees all of us as being that worthwhile, and he considers it contempt when we don't see each other that way. And that's the heart of the law. But I want to conclude by pointing this out to you. This is where I will finish for today. When... Jesus says all of this, the very natural response that I alluded to at the start of the sermon, and as you can imagine, so did a lot of his hearers respond this way, is, well, then who could be saved? Then what are we supposed to do? It sounds like we're done before we ever get started. And Jesus would say, right, you are. You're done. You see, because sin is in your heart, you're done. You're already guilty before God. And this is why you need a Savior. And so Jesus is laying the groundwork in all of these teachings as he builds toward his final trip to Jerusalem. 
He's laying the groundwork and telling people, you've got to understand there's great hope for you, but it comes through your salvation, not your adherence to religion. It comes through grace. And your response should be the same. Grace. And so Jesus wants you to understand that you really will fail to keep the law. It's a guarantee. I have failed to keep the law. I have sinned in the ways that Jesus describes in the passages we just read. But I have been forgiven. And in that forgiveness and grace, I have received the Holy Spirit. And I am a new creation in Christ living as best I can the Beatitudes and living as best I can for righteousness sake. I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness and I can say that today I'm much more successful in that endeavor than I was five or ten years ago and I wish the same for you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Mm -hmm.